Hello, friends, and welcome to episode nine of Syracuse Sports. My name is Brent Axe. Uh, I got to tell you, this was not the original open to the podcast. What I originally had started this episode with was my ultimate Bruce Springsteen set list because uh, this podcast comes out Thursday, September 7th. You may be listening uh, down the road and not on this date that the podcast comes out. But on this day, Thursday, September 7th, Springsteen was supposed to rock the JMA Wireless Dome. Unfortunately, as we learned Wednesday, September 6th, Springsteen has peptic ulcer disease. So under doctor's orders, he's got to sit out all of his September shows. And in the timing department, yeah, that sucks that the first one was at the JMA Wireless Dome. All the shows are going to be rescheduled. Of course, we're sending our best to the boss that he feels better soon. And in what is a highly underrated Springsteen tune, we will see you further on up the road, Bruce, and get well soon. So we had to change the open around a little bit. You know, we still got coming up, though. One of the foremost authorities on all things ACC, Joe Giglio. He's got juicy. He's got some good stuff about whether the ACC really had to expand the choices of Cal, Stanford, and SMU, and what Syracuse's role on all of this is. So no boss today. You're going to have to wait for my ultimate Springsteen set list, but we do have Joe Giglio. Let's get to that. Let me just remind you before we do, though, that you can leave us a voicemail at 315-552-1964. Those are always welcome on the show. You want to get in touch with me anytime, hit me on Twitter or X if you prefer. B, uh, Brent Axe Media on Twitter or B-A-X-E at Syracuse.com. That's my email address. Always love getting feedback from you on what you're hearing on the show, what you want to hear on the show, and what you think of the show as well so keep that feedback coming send us those voicemails and please subscribe spotify apple youtube amazon wherever you get your podcasts we would love it if you would do that so thanks for doing all those things thanks for listening and watching today let's hear from my man joe Giglio. joe i was uh, joking around in the open these letters do not match but i like this so i'm going to say it the acc stands for all kinds of content these days right like man on the field now that the season has started as we're going to get into duke's knocking off clemson florida state the league itself but of course the expansion madness that's been happening is is where you got to start the conversation here and i had to hold off because i saw what your partner tweeted i've seen what you guys have been tweeting i do watch and listen to your show when i can but i did not listen to your big expansion conversation, knowing that we were going to have this conversation. So I'm getting all this fresh. Okay. And our listeners are getting this fresh and I'm looking forward to it. Let me start here. Okay. Well, thanks pretty wild. Yes. (laughs) Did the ACC have to do this? In my opinion from 10,000 feet? No, they did not because the grant of rights, which goes through 2036, protects them and gives them stability. So your the alleged reason for this move was the other schools think that Florida State and Clemson are going to leave the ACC. So in order to protect themselves for when Florida State and Clemson leave the ACC, they want to add, quote unquote, power five schools now instead of having to add, quote unquote, group of, group of, of five schools later none of that makes sense to me so 
here we are adding three football brands that add absolutely nothing, not one thing. Stanford, Cal, and SMU do not add one thing football-wise to the ACC. The things that people cite that they do add, right, are either not football-related or sure, yeah, Stanford's got an amazing um, athletics program. Amazing. Sure. Of course they do. Uh, but so there's that, Joe. There's the academic part of it, which I, I think we want to no. pretend academics is a part of this, which it's not. And then you hear Dallas is the fifth largest market in the country. It's like, well, wait, a, what, what, get to the part that matters here, right? Is I feel like that's kind of how you feel about this, too. So not only do they maybe not have to do this, they pick these three schools when maybe they kind of sort of had a shot at Oregon and Washington or maybe some schools that would have made more sense in a world that makes no sense in college football, right? I suspect what happened here, Brent, and just kind of going back, the ACC hires something called fishbait solutions to help them navigate these waters, right? And are, are we following FCC rules here on your program? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, okay. yes, we are. Yeah. So it is a complete farce that the public schools of North Carolina and NC State signed a contract that is so vital to their athletics department that is not part of the public record. And to the point of that, the deal with ESPN that those schools are a part of, they did not make copies of that deal specifically so that it could not be FOIA'd. And I'm setting this up for a reason. So the athletic director at NC State at the time was Debbie Yao, and she said she had to go to Greensboro and like it was a Congress um, deal, they, they were brought into a room, they were showed the document, not her, but the chancellor, and there was no copies of it made, they were not signed, they were not shared, and that's, I, I don't agree with that. Wow, okay? I don't agree with that either. I don't What's agree with that? that. That's number one. So I think what had happened was Fishbait Solutions went in and looked at the ACC's contract with ESPN. In that contract, I think we can now deduce that if the ACC were to expand, then ESPN would owe them a pro rata amount that is equal to the average share that the current members are already getting the full the full share, right? So let's just use, I know it's not necessarily right, but let's just use $30 million as, as the reasoning. So I think Fishbait Solutions went to the ACC and said, hey, Looking through your contract with ESPN, it says if you add the any any three schools, it doesn't matter if they're if they're a steaming pile of garbage in football, <laughs> which Cal certainly qualifies as. It doesn't matter if they couldn't fill a stadium if they gave away money, which Stanford and, and SMU certainly qualify for. All you gotta do is add them and let's just again use that number and you'll add thirty million dollars per school that you then can do what what you want with, right? So now all of a sudden you're Randy Woodson and you're the chancellor in NC State and you're going, now, wait a second, we could add $90 million to the pot? And you'd never mind, math is involved here and then you'd have to divide that and, and it works out to what, $3 million per school, for, if that, $4 million? If Slice that. the pie 17 ways, yeah. Like yeah. What are you really getting here? Now all of a sudden, what are you really getting? But never mind that, right? I think, I think Fishbait Solutions, they went to Fishbait and said, hey, help us make more money. Fishbait looked at the contract and said, hey, if you know, if you add any old three schools, 
you'll add $90 million to your, to your pot. Then you could distribute it any way you want. I think those schools saw that and said, Hey, this is a win for us. And then I think once the Oregon and Washington part of the equation left, because remember Oregon and Washington took a reduced rate to join the big 10. I think there were probably most likely discussions between whoever was left of the post USC UCLA PAC 12 and those schools were all working and the, and the ACC was working under the assumption that it would be a complete rate, a full share. I don't think it was until the big 10 told Oregon, Washington, Hey, if you really want a life raft, you're going to take, I think whatever they're taking two thirds, or you're going to take a, you're taking a haircut here to join us. So I think that's when the ACC then went back to Stanford and Cal and then SMU, of course, coming in for free and said, Hey, we'll give you whatever it ends up being a third or, um, you know, two thirds of, of the deal. And I, I think that's how you ended up getting some schools that, quite frankly, they just don't, they don't improve the ACC's football product. Yeah, forget geography, form. right? Everybody's like, yeah. oh, the ge- geography hasn't mattered forever in college sports, as you and I know. Sure. What do they really add top to bottom in this whole thing? And I know some of the university presidents were intrigued by the academic thing. Notre Dame pushed already in Notre Dame. That's always got one foot in the pool and one foot yes. out anyway of the <laughs> ACC. So. It just feels like finally there's that meme that you can post on Twitter or, or a GIF. It's that dude, and he's kind of like poking it. It's like, do something. It, it feels like that stick finally poked Jim Phillips in the ribs, but like way too late in this whole thing. Now, Joe, what does it mean? A couple follow-ups there. What does it mean? Because the, the premise for all this is supposedly like not only the money and everything that you laid out there, but – you got to keep Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina happy. Well, they voted against this. Right. So <laughs> uh, you didn't check that box. And if anything, you've looked at the grant of rights. I've looked at the grant of rights. Lawyers have looked at this thing. It is hard to get out of. But how did Cal, Stanford, and SMU, this round of expansion, if any way make it easier for those three or one of those three, whatever the combination is, to get out of the league? The challenge legally, I suspect, will actually come from Notre Dame when, when the grant of rights comes. Really? Remember, wow. they, they have a reduced rate. So they might be the ones who challenge it and say, we're getting out of this deal because they'll their payment will be a, a whole lot less than a full member. I suspect that's how this will ultimately work out. Um, when you look at the grant of rights, I, I think the only way out of it is to actually go the nuclear option the mad men option hey we're we're you get eight of the 15 who come together and say we don't want to be in this anymore we're dissolving the atlantic coast conference as we know it and i think that was one of the ways they actually discussed getting out of those granted rights now part of the mistake and, and joe obvious and i've talked about this on obvious and Gilio. part of the mistake these schools are making is thinking that the television rights are just going to go up and up and up and up forever I would just encourage you to listen to our podcast as we talk about the, the issues facing the cable industry. This is, as I said today on the show, this is analogous to 30 years ago when newspapers realized, uh, you know, we're about to lose this classified revenue stream and it's not good for us. That is exactly what these cable companies are saying right now. We're about to lose this digital revenue stream and it's not good for us. And you might say, oh, newspapers were stupid and newspapers were done, run by dumb people. There's some of that for sure. 
but there are a lot of forces at work here. And, and amongst those forces, you know, you and I are of a similar age. The next generation doesn't care about sports the same way that, that our generation and previous generations cared about sports. Also, yeah. also you and I are apt to, uh, we're apt to get a newspaper subscription, get a sports illustrated or time magazine. Let me date myself here. Right. <laughs> Let me uh, date myself even more sporting news. Sporting news, save, inside man. sports, yep. the national. Yeah, let's throw them all out there. All of them, right? We, we, our generation was, and the previous was more inclined to pay for things. This next generation, you have a, you have a double whammo here, and that is, they're not as interested in sports, and they're, not, they're definitely not motivated to pay for anything because everything in their life has not, not in a bad way. Like they've kind of figured some things out. Like, hey, this internet thing is free. YouTube yeah. is free. Uh, TikTok is free. All of these things that I we would have done the same thing at their yeah, age if we had it, right? And of I'm course, not denigrating yeah. that generation. I'm just saying, yeah. it is not something that they make a habit, right? So I, I think when you the mistake that's made now is thinking, oh well, the ACC's deal is so bad because it runs through 2036, and look at you know, in five years, the Big Ten's deal is just going to keep going up and going up and going up and going up. And I promise I'm not being a chicken little when I say this, but just think about how different all of our conversations are about the future of football if DeMar Hamlin was not revived on that field in Cincinnati. Like, we're having completely different discourse. And I've argued for a long time that football is boxing. And boxing ruled the sporting landscape of this country in the early 20th century. And I'm sure if you would have told somebody back then, yeah, this Joe Lewis guy, you know, when they were putting 80,000 people into a stadium to watch a fight, you're probably going, oh, that this is going to last forever. And all these people were gathering around their radio to listen to fights. Oh, this is going to, you know, we're selling all these uh, Chesterfield ads to support our, <laughs> our boxing uh, uh, telecast, uh, radio cast, man. It's awesome. If you would have told them back then, yeah, man, um, the violence of that sport is, is ultimately going to catch up to you. I, I do think the, the violence of the NFL is ultimately going to catch up to it. And I, I'm not sitting here telling... Boxing still exists, right? UFC still exists. So I'm not saying the NFL is going to go away, but I don't think it's going to run hot, this molten hot forever. And I think the mistake that these colleges are making right now is thinking, oh, well, we'll just re-up in five years because nothing will change. The The demographics will never change. The the payments that we get from our, our television partners is never going to change. The interest in our sport is never going to change when all of those things are changing. And just as you and I have seen in the newspaper business, like, Hey man, would have been awesome 30 years ago for us to be like, Hey, this classifieds money stream that we've been living off of might not be here forever. <laughs> And on that note, Joe, uh, Syracuse Sports is brought to you by our friends at Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare provider for Syracuse Athletics. So got a nice little plug in there for our, our friends well at Krause Health. Okay. Through all these conversations, how much did you hear when you're looking into it, reporting it even now? Because we're talking about a broken cable model, that going away, what that r relates to in football. And even look at now, look at the Disney – spectrum fight this is not your typical like you know That's back big. and forth negotiation this yeah. is huge this could yeah. completely dissolve the whole model as we know it we could do a whole show on that so here i look at syracuse athletic director john wildhack longtime espn executive who came into syracuse at a time when things like the acc network and you know getting cleared on uh, certain cable systems and all the old model which 
is old by, you know, only a couple of years here, but is now the old model still mattered. And I guess somewhat still matters. Joe, how much did you hear John Wildhack's name? Not only in this, but in what matters in the discussions in the ACC and the role that he plays in it? Yeah, I thought it was interesting that how much of this conversation seemed to be shaped by Florida State, seemed to be shaped by Clemson and Notre Dame. Uh, I know where Carolina was in all of this. And I, I honestly, when Bubba Cunningham and, and even Boo Corgan at NC State say, when they talk about, you know, the, the athletes, they use the other term, which is total bogus. Um, when they talk about the athletes, they, I, I genuinely believe they care about the athletes at their schools and their opportunities, not only in football and, and men's basketball, but in cross country and volleyball and all of the other non-revenue sports. I truly believe that they do care about those people. And I think North Carolina's stance, as, as Pollyanna as it might sound, UNC stance, I do think it was grounded in, hey, if we add Stanford and Cal, this, this is not good for us. This is not good for those athletes. Uh, so we're not going to do it. I, I want to know where these private schools were. Like Duke forever, Brent, has been aligned with Carolina. Like Duke and Carolina were like this forever. And for them to be have a departure on this, I thought was really strange. And then I started thinking about, okay, and now Syracuse is obviously not as small as Miami or, or Duke. Um, but I'm, I started thinking like, I think you have a, um, a, a stratification here of the, these private schools and the leaders of those private schools who are looking at this and going, Wake Forest, take for example. Well, if Stanford and Cal get left behind, what's going to happen to us? So I'm going to vote for Stanford and Cal because they're such great academic institutions. And as Jack Swarbrick went on the Dan Patrick show and said, they have to be saved as if they were Chevy and Ford, like <laughs> they, they must be saved. And it's like Cal is literally the worst run financial athletic department in the country. Literally not, like not 43 million in debt, right? Yeah, Something I'm, like that. I'm yeah. not exaggerating. And then Stanford, while it does have a tremendous athletic department that regularly wins the athletic director's cup award. I mean, all but three years, it's won it in the last 30, right? Do you really think if Stanford became an independent in football and competed in the West Coast Conference, do you really think Stanford was like not going to win the women's tennis title anymore? <laughs> like, you, and I, I, I mean, being serious right now because Stanford gets people, all the people who don't want to go to the go to the elite schools on the East Coast, they go to Stanford. Yep. Like, there's that's all that's a pretty awesome niche to have. By the way, it's also a pretty awesome campus, pretty awesome place to live, sure, awesome place to go to school. So. Like, I don't, I don't buy this idea, like, as North Carolina women's soccer coach Anson Doran said, I don't buy the idea that Stanford was going to die on the line. Well, not, not only that, Joe, would have been, I think it would have different. here's the thing to sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, where Stanford works out in, in, in the travel and, and some things that people were concerned about, the ACC doesn't even have a bunch of sports that they play. They don't right. even have to travel right. in a lot of the so-called Olympic sports or non-revenue sports because the ACC doesn't have a bunch of them. I don't. Does the ACC have water polo and some of these things that Stanford excels in? Like, they made up pretty well there. Yeah, it's just such a – it's, to me, looking at how the different schools kind of – parted and, and paired up you know you had some of them that were obviously paranoid about florida state you had some of them that thought maybe hey i'm gonna add stanford cal and smu so on the next big issue that we need help in they owe us they'll have a marker with us 
And then I think it is as simple as fish bait going back to ESPN, going back to yeah, ESPN's not thrilled about this. I can promise you that. Uh, fish bait going back to Jim Phillips and saying, hey, here, here's an easy proposal. Here's an easy win. And then once Oregon and Washington set the standard of taking a reduced rate, I think that's how you got to this because there's no way that Stanford, Cal, and SMU are added at a full share. Just no way. Joe, on a different note here, a couple more things for you. Uh, Syracuse has been in the ACC for a decade now. I think they came in with a certain expectation. I mean, you make all these moves for football, but you know, Syracuse got in on its reputation for basketball. There is there is no bones about that, and they were sold as like a, a pipeline to the New York City market and some of these other things. But you're bringing in a basketball school. Yes. Well, Syracuse hasn't finished higher than sixth in the ACC except for their first year in the league. We've seen the transition, of course, Adrian Autry for Jim Beheim, and we'll see if that gets Syracuse back to air quotes where they need to be. With that as a backdrop, let me ask a broad question. What is Syracuse's role in the ACC? Well, they're definitely fodder for Notre Dame. I did a chart um, about Notre Dame's 28-game winning streak in, in ACC regular season play, and I'm like, I'm seeing Syracuse a lot in here. <laughs> <laughs> That's number one. I, listen, I, I'm sure Syracuse has performed better in football than I give them credit for. They had a, they had a double-digit win season not that long ago. Yeah. Was it 18? Yeah, and I mean, they've popped a little bit. They get some of these upsets, and I'm sure it's been fine. I'm, I'm sure, you know, I know they're probably one of the three worst performers on the field in football. It's just kind of the way it's gone. I'm going to tell you the part that I'm disappointed, that I was disappointed, and now I'm somebody who grew up in New Jersey. I grew up on the New York State border. I grew up the script Syracuse jerseys, Pearl Washington throwing those alley-oops, Sherman Douglas throwing those alley-oops to Derek Coleman and Billy Owens, like, those teams were it in my for for fifteen year old Joe, okay. So I had a I had a healthy appreciation for Syracuse basketball, Big East basketball, and and their role that they played in building that conference into what they did. The first ACC tournament that was in Brooklyn, Syracuse played. I think it was the second day in a in a noon game. I walk in the first day, nobody was there. Like, why would anybody be there? It was like Boston College and. Pitt and whoever, you know, it was a bunch of teams nobody would care about. Right. Yeah. The second day I walked into the Barclays Center, I expected the building to be sold out because it doesn't hold but what, 16,000 people, if that. I expected that building to be full. It was not. And I was like, okay, why is Syracuse in the ACC if they can't even sell out? And I get it. It's Brooklyn, it's not MSG. I hear all of those things. But I expected Syracuse, who I who I would, Notre Dame probably really is. Notre Dame, Penn State, Ohio State probably truly are New York's teams. I'm not trying to get you mad, but like in the in the actual city area, not getting me mad, yeah, yeah, like in the New York, like it's not Rutgers, I I promise you that, but but Penn State, Notre, Notre Dame, I would say number one in the New yep. York City area. Notre Dame you grew is up there, you, you know, yeah. yeah. Penn State is, is right there as well, and then Ohio State just has a ton of fans everywhere. I do think there are Syracuse fans, particularly in basketball. But when I went in that building and they they couldn't, I was just I was just really disappointed. And I get it what had happened at the end of, of, of Jim's tenure tenure there, and I get all those things. But I, that one hit me. And it, part of it is you just don't care about the ACC, right? Like, and I, I'm perfectly honest with you. Like, I've covered NC State and I've covered Carolina, right? So my test is when when you cover Carolina, they sell out every building, right? 
when you cover state, you go to an NC State and Florida State basketball game, there might be 3,000 people there. You go to an NC State Miami game, literally, I counted 77 one time at the start of the basketball game. When you go to when you go to a Carolina game against Miami, sold out. Carolina, Florida State, sold out. So the most impressive, one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in covering this stuff is the first time State went to the Dome. It was sold out. I mean, I, I think Syracuse was running a little bit hot that year, but it was sold out. And I said, you know what? These guys, they care. They get it. They love this program. And that's why, and I think it was two or three years later when I went to the Barclays and it wasn't sold out. And I was like, this is weird. And part of it is you're so ingrained with, with Georgetown. You're so ingrained with St. John's and all of those familiar names. It's like going to a family reunion and you're there. And then all of a sudden, like all of your wife's family's cousins <laughs> and nieces and great aunts are there. And you're like, I can't kind of sort of think I know who you are, but it's not the same. It doesn't feel the same. Right. right. And so and I, I get it, that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a complete and total heel when it comes to Syracuse basketball, but that was one thing that kind of struck me a little bit and I don't blame them. Um, and I don't blame Syracuse for what they did leaving the big. Well, I think, I think you're hitting on something here. Since that has happened, the ACC tournament is the perfect analogy because Syracuse never every year, Joe, I'm like, they're going to Greensboro, not New York right. city. Like I haven't right. gotten that out of my head. Number one, right. number two, it's that feeling that, you know, we don't belong here. Like we, yeah. it's like when you buy a new golf membership somewhere and maybe one, it came into some money or something and you're, you're technically a member, but like everybody's kind of looking at you like, are you hey, sure cool. you belong here? Hit, right man. now I'll, I'll say this about the attendance thing specifically. Shout out to Syracuse fans. Cause they do fill a lot of opposing arenas. Boston yes. college gets people because of Syracuse fans and Miami and a lot the Syracuse fans show yeah. in the ACC. So I'll, I'll give them props on that. But Joe, I've had this weird, feeling for lack of a better term even through the current conversations we're having as paranoid as Syracuse fans are like they could get kicked out of the power five I think secretly they do want this thing to fail so they can go back to the big east the way it used to be right let's get let's get the band back together even though big east football would just be I don't even know what the hell that would be well, or what kind of football league they'd be in. but I think people would be fine with that around here when it all comes down to it we need to go back to the old days when when Penn State and Syracuse, West Virginia, Maryland, Boston College, you know, they all played each other. They were all on schedule. You knew who you were. Eastern football. Was, you know, Notre Dame popped on there every once in a while. Yep. And you're like, oh, ooh, this is a good one. Um, yeah, I, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Syracuse. I do think Wild Hack was, was obviously instrumental in the last round of expansion when with the tv stuff and you're right it's funny how it all it all kind of changes but i do think now you got florida state you've got clemson and, and i think you just have like this weird other voting block that's kind of they're looking at each other like hey uh it, it, again if this could happen to stanford and cal what's gonna happen to us it's just kind of like eh, you'll be all right you'll make it work i'll Especially get you out of here on this on, right right <laughs> yeah and there's UConn still. Yeah. They, 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 Happy. <laughs> they almost knocked off NC State the other day. Yeah, so good transition into what I want to get you out of here on. Stuff on the field. Hey, remember that? They actually yeah. started playing nice. football. Florida State, I honestly was not stunned by that. I, I was kind of surprised how LSU played, but I think Florida State's that good. Clemson. What? I Look, it's week one. I get that. And. Every coach in the country saying, well, you know, you improve the most from week one to week two. So we'll see if that happens for Clemson. But, Joe, they look slow. 
they just it just looked like everything has everything that Dabo has been railing against the past couple of years has caught up to that team and it's ever present on the field. Shout out to Duke. Shout out to Coach Elko, what he's doing there. It's incredible. But Duke didn't even play that well. Let's be honest here. Like they took advantage of some mistakes and they pushed Clemson all over the field. And that's the most surprising thing to me. Was it the most surprising thing to you? in the way that Duke just kind of handled their business in that game. And Clemson yeah, lo- clearly did not. I thought Duke did play well. I, I thought particularly on defense. Uh, I thought the way that they were energized, the way that they were hungry, that they were swarming to the ball. All I think they, I thought they set the tone early on defense. The, the disturbing thing for Clemson is you're looking at this and you're going, you know, we used to like run circles around schools like this we used to regularly beat schools like this by four scores five scores and they just haven't recruited their skill players and it has been a problem the last three years really since trevor lawrence and and travis etn left and even that team which lost in the playoffs because they only had etn their their receivers in that final group weren't good enough they certainly weren't commensurate to lawrence lawrence's level this this is a program that has is in Dabo Sweeney, he has refused to go into the portal and add players. I looked at Keon Coleman in the Florida State game and I go, whatever Florida State paid to get him from Michigan State was a thousand percent worth their investment. And why Clemson looked at the same group of receivers who weren't good enough last year and thought magically they were going to improve over the summer with a new coordinator and, and with Kate Klubick full time instead of DJ Uyunglele, why they looked at that group and thought, oh, yeah, 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 magically they're going to be better. I have some serious questions about how they're evaluating the receiver position, even the running back position. Will, Will Shipley's a nice player, um, but he's not, you know, he's not ATN. He, he's not Andre Ellington. He's not some of the home run hitters that they've had. Joe, uh, before we let you go, give me the plugs. Where can we find uh, your podcasts? Because there's uh, multiple and yeah. uh, all the great stuff you're doing, my friend. Yeah, if you look on Apple, you search for Ovius and Gilio, uh, that or the OG Media Company, either one. Uh, you'll see our page that has all of our podcasts, the OG, uh, which is Joe Ovis and I, which we do four times a week. You'll see Law of the Wolf, which is our NC State podcast um, that I do once a week. I like Jared that Samuels title. this week. Yeah. Um, so we also do a gambling podcast, which is Picks and Pizza. Joe does a beer podcast, which is 919 Vice. So it's all there on that Apple page if you look for Ovius and Gilio or you look for the OG media company. Fantastic. Joe, I really appreciate your time and your insight as always. Love to see what you guys are doing there. And uh, we'll definitely get you on again soon. But uh, thanks for hopping on Syracuse Sports, presented by Krause Health with us today, my friend. Oh, but wait, there's just one more thing. By now, I'm sure you've seen Deion Sanders, or Coach Prime if you prefer, calling out the non-believers after Colorado's explosive win over TCU in Prime's debut as head coach. Now, Sanders went around the room at the post-game press conference calling out those non-believers, even pulling a next question on a reporter who committed the sin of not professing his undying faith to Sanders right there on the spot after one game. That just so happens that reporter was Ed Werder from ESPN, who used to cover Prime in his Cowboys days and was there to cover Prime again, but I don't think he's necessarily a Colorado beat reporter, but I digress. The the no-one-believes-in-us gimmick is one of the oldest in the book. If that's what Coach Prime thinks will fuel his team's fire, then have at it. Wrestling fans are familiar with this. This is a work, right? But ask yourself this. How boring would it be if everybody agreed with you all the time? Are you trying to build Colorado into a championship contender or a cult 
fans and media need to feel like they can walk and chew gum at the same time. And thankfully, a majority of us still do that. Judging by sports talk radio, message boards, social media, podcasts, whatever the case may be. Now, Sanders' post-game rant rang a little familiar in a way. If you'll recall, when Dino Babers took over as Syracuse football head coach in 2016 at his opening press conference, he asked everybody in the room to close their eyes and imagine what Syracuse football could be. That included the media. He wouldn't continue his press conference till even the members of the media in the room did this. Now, there's a difference. Babers asked for faith at Syracuse. Sanders is outright demanding it at Colorado, or he won't even answer your question. Now, times have changed from 2016 into 2023, especially with the transfer portal. Now, if there's another old adage in sports that has proven without a shadow of a doubt is that when someone breaks the mold and stands out and it works, the copycats are going to line up in force. Deion Sanders brought in 86 new players to Colorado in one offseason. 86. And why not? The team went 1-11 last season, and they needed a complete control-alt-delete. But is that going to be a sustainable model for future college football programs in trouble? Are there really enough players in the portal to do that? Because you know coaches are going to copycat this if it continues to work. Now, look, don't get me wrong here. Coach Prime is great content or great copy, as we used to say in the newspaper business, right? At its heart, sports is entertainment. And Coach Prime, well, he's primetime television. He has our attention now, not just by what he said, but partly by what he's done. This is great when you can get on the ground floor of something big, right? Whether that's a stock, a new TV show. I remember I was one of the first to get in on The Sopranos right from episode one. Always enjoy that I got in early on that, right? Or in this case, a football team. But waiting for a little evidence, whether it's Deion Sanders, Dino Babers, or whoever the case may be, it doesn't make you a non-believer. It makes you rational. And you know what? I think that's something the world, particularly the sports world, needs a little bit more of these days. That's episode nine of Syracuse Sports. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Thank you for subscribing wherever you're listening today on Spotify, Amazon, Apple. What do you mean you haven't subscribed? Hit that subscribe button. Hit that follow button so you get new episodes of Syracuse Sports delivered to you when they are out. Don't forget, we're doing post-game shows after every Syracuse football game. We did one after Colgate. It was fantastic. A lot of great feedback from you guys on that. We'll be doing it after every game. Next one coming after Syracuse takes on Western Michigan at the Dome on Saturday. Thank you to everybody that helped make this podcast possible. Thanks to you for listening and watching. Don't forget about our voicemail line anytime. You can leave us a message at 315-552-1964. We'll catch you next time, guys. Thanks for hanging.